One of the first studies we did was we we tracked all patients, all little kids who came to our trauma center after being hit by cars. And in the morning, we would go see all those patients. We'd interview them, find out find out from their families where those where the where they were hit, what intersections. And then we would go out to those intersections and try to describe what we saw. And it was interesting when we showed up at some of those intersections. Um, the neighbors would come out of their houses, or people would come up to us and say, "Hey, a lot of this is a very dangerous intersection. Are you from the city? Are you going to do something about the stop sign or this traffic light or these road markings or these sidewalks?" And it it really struck me that we came from the trauma center, like treating patients, we came out of the community, and we were getting these incredible insights about the safety of the community and of society from the people there. If I told you that a doctor could walk into an extremely busy trauma room, immediately assess the data at hand, and within seconds come up with what to do next in order to save a patient's life, would you believe me? Well, you better believe Dr. Hamid. My name's Jeff, and this is How It's Med, a podcast where we chat with people shaping the future of healthcare and health tech. On this podcast, we chat with founders, innovators, inventors, and those who are shaping the way that we carry out resuscitation, trauma, and assess how we can improve health systems overall, all at the same time. This time around, we rejoin our conversation with Dr. Murad Hamid, the co-founder of T6 Health Systems, a startup with an unlikely story, and how Dr. Murad Hamid has tied his work as a trauma surgeon into this amazing invention. Let's get started. But you've helped develop a system that has become uh, the integral part of a startup that helps gather relevant data in high acuity situations uh, where you need to know what you're doing, what to do next in a very standardized approach, yet to an extent tailored to the extremely variable patient that might come in. And I'm talking about uh, the product developed by T6 Health Systems. To, to really summarize things and break it down for the listener, if you had to explain what T6 does to a five-year-old using mm-hmm. only monosyllabic, bisyllabic words, how would you do it? So T6 is an iPad where doctors can input data when they see a patient, and that data is transformed um, into information that can help them make decisions uh, and uh, can help uh, patients get better faster. That was that was actually very well put for how <laughs> complex of a product uh, DSEX is. But um, let's let's go all the way back. Um, so you ended up doing so much education and you've done so much in your academic surgery career, but then T6 Health System seems like to an extent a natural extension, but what was the origin story behind it? When I was uh, doing my, my, I did most of my trade in medicine and surgery in Edmonton, uh, Alberta, and um, but I did my trauma fellowship uh, at the University of Miami. And um, that's a busy Miami the University of Miami Trauma Center uh, is a busy place. Uh, and uh, early on, one of my mentors there, Stephen Collins, said that he recognized my public health training. And he said, you're a public health person. Why don't you focus your research on public health? So uh, I, I thought that was a great idea. So um, 
the, one of the first studies we did was we, we tracked all patients, all little kids who came to our trauma center after being hit by cars. And in the morning, we would go see all those patients. We'd interview them, find out, find out from their families where those, where the, where they were hit, what intersections. And then we would go out to those intersections and try to describe what we saw. And it was interesting when we showed up at some of those intersections, um, the neighbors would come out of their houses or people would come up to us and say, Hey, a lot of, this is a very dangerous intersection. Are you from the city? Are you going to do something about the stop sign or this traffic light or these road markings or these sidewalks? And it, it really struck me that we came from the trauma center, like treating patients who came out of the community and we were getting these incredible insights about the safety of the community and the society from the people there. And we published that paper in the American Journal of Public Health. It was an amazing feeling that you could just publish something like that that was so simple. And that sparked several years of research on using geographic information science, combining injury data with geography to identify hotspots around the city. We started in Calgary, came to Vancouver eventually. And we really found that injury is very much associated with geography it's very much associated with the social determinants of health, that there's certain patient populations that are very vulnerable to being injured. That work continued. Uh, we, we started going to South Africa, uh, and uh, we started collaborating with uh, surgeons at the University of Cape Town to do similar types of studies there. And again, the same thing held up. The social determinants of health impacted injury risk. There were, there were communities and neighborhoods that were vulnerable to injury. And so we decided with them that we would want to set up an injury database there so we could study this in more detail. And so we didn't exactly know how to start this. So what we did is we thought that, well, they don't, they don't have money for data registrars or data analysts. They wasn't in their budget to, to have that. So what we did is we designed a clinical documentation to a piece of paper that their surgical registrars their residents would document on. And they would document their admission, their operating, uh, their operations, their discharge summaries on a piece of paper. The paper had a carbon copy backing. And so the front would go on the chart. The carbon copy backing would go to the office, the trauma surgeon, the trauma director's office. So we designed that record in, in consultation with the trauma surgeons, but also with the public health people at the University of Cape Town. So we we're collecting public health information on these forums as well. And after about a year, we came back to Cape Town and, uh, the, um, the, uh, there, we discovered, um, what, what the, uh, the assistant of the trauma director said, what would you like me to do with the papers? And so we said, well, what, what papers are you talking about? We had like no idea. We should have, but so what would you like to do with the papers? And she looked a little irritated actually. So we said, it was the papers. So she took us around the corner and these papers were stacked from a desk to the ceiling in three stacks. There were literally 10,000 records that had been accumulated over the course of the year, these carbon copy backing sheets. And it was a treasure trove of data. So we, we had uh, two of our graduate students input all of this data. It took about four months. And that data went into a database. It was 10,000 records. It was one of the most, one of the richest data sets, um, that we'd seen in, um, in a trauma center. And, um, 
they use that to publish studies on their population. But that type of paper data collection, manual data input wasn't sustainable. We couldn't keep doing that because we would be too far behind if we tried to do it that way. Around that time, the iPad minis came out. And uh, do you remember the iPad mini? Um, So when that came out, it was a big deal. We thought, what if instead of writing on paper, the trauma teams document on the iPad mini? Um, A lot of people thought it wouldn't work because the iPads would go missing or, but we decided to try it. And that, that experiment lasted for about a year. And the iPads were successful in collecting another 10,000 records of trauma patients, uh, operative records, discharge summaries. We could actually measure their treatment, their outcomes, their geography. And the University of Cape Town investigators published like 15 studies based on that data set. And so we realized that this point of care digital data collection specifically geared towards trauma patients could create these rich data sets that could be analyzed almost instantly because there's no delay in abstracting the data. Anyway, that whole process led to the formation of our company because we wanted to further develop the software. We wanted to make the data secure and safe and private. Um, and we've been this company, which we call T6 Health Systems for trauma care in the first six hours, the first critical six hours after injury. We want to be there collecting high resolution data. Uh, that company has been around now for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Can you highlight a hypothetical or de-identified, uh, you know, story that shows the value that T6 has on trauma patient management? Well, uh, yeah. So the, the, we, we think of the data co- that's collected by T6 to kind of fall into different tiers. Like there's different tiers of analysis. So like the first tier of analysis is like right at the point of care. You know, you generate a score or you generate, you visualize data on an overhead screen. Right away, you're kind of, it's informing your awareness of that patient. There's another layer of data, which, another layer of analysis, which is quality improvement. Another layer, which is research. Another layer, which is prevention. Another layer, which is health policy. So these, the data that's streaming out has these multiple, can be repurposed in multiple ways to serve multiple different purposes. One simple thing is that in Cape Town, the, 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 um, user interface was open and the residents were documenting on it. And they were about to skip a step in documenting, uh, uh, a spinal cord injury. Uh, they were, they, but the, the, the digital interface pointed out that they should do a neurologic exam. And they picked up a patient with a spine fracture who could have, you know, gone on to have, be mobilized and have a spinal, worse than spinal cord injury. So the, the, that data collection uh, structure kind of placed some guard guidelines or guardrails around the care that created a bit more comprehensive care in the moment that would have saved that that would have saved a bad complication. Similarly, we were the system was being used in a trauma center in Texas, and um, uh, there we had the the iPads were acquiring data, but they were projecting data on a big overhead dashboard above the patient's bed. And a trauma surgeon walked in who hadn't seen the T6 system before and right away read the dashboard and realized that the patient needed to go for an urgent CT scan. And he, without even understanding the system or what was happening, it, it, it sort of immediately uh, fast-tracked his judgment 
and the patient was urgently transported for CT. So it's that early sort of uh, collection of data that that cr- that converts a chaotic and uncertain environment to a little bit more uh, data informed environment that can actually change patient care. Mm-hmm. I uh, recently spoke uh, with some with an individual who helped create one of the first EMRs used in British Columbia, which was later acquired by a, a large uh, uh, telco. Um, and his vision was specifically to create the infrastructure in order to collect the massive amount of data that goes into medical decision-making and then to help guide that with processes that are automated or have guardrails built, which is exactly what you've done. So it's truly commendable that you managed to improve, um, I guess, patient outcomes and from the data that streams out of there also inform how policies locally are changed, guided in the future so that you truly do have a learning health system. We've talked a lot about what exactly T6 is, but what we haven't talked about is the fact that entrepreneurship is nowhere near, at least in my perception, grand societal ideals, public health, or surgery. So how did the business aspect of this fold in when you were managing so much outside of your, I guess, of this entrepreneurial career of yours? Yeah, it's a great, another great question, uh, Jeff. So I think that um, I love, um, I love being a trauma surgeon and intensivist, and I love being in an academic environment where I get to be inspired by fellows and residents and medical students every day. Um, and that always sort of a big part of me. And it was hard uh, to give that. So I actually couldn't give that up. It's such a defining thing. But I also knew that um, I had this um, real interest in engaging uh, with public health and population health, as we talked about. And I really saw data as um, the, 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 the rigorous collection and analysis of data as a pathway to try to engage with social determinants of health and population health. And getting into the digital space was a bit of a fortuitous thing. It came from a level of analyzing data and trying to generate policy-relevant uh, insights. Uh, and I just realized that in order to build this, it's hard to do it from grants. You know, the uh, grant funding cycles are long. They're competitive. The success rate is often around 10% for big grants. But to develop, um, to develop, um, technology, uh, that's sort of in an agile way, in a responsive way, and in a very, in a very strong, like in a, in a secure way, uh, takes investment. So we had to explore that, that, idea of sort of this public-private partnership um, in creating this data environment that we had envisioned. And it's a really different world. Uh, you have to you have to build a business plan. You have to pitch it. You have to bring rigor. You have to pay more attention to cost. Uh, and you have to be responsible about how you plan and roll it. And you really have to hustle to see if people can use it and um, can start to derive benefit from it. Uh, so it's been a very much a learning curve to do that. I never envisioned going 
into business or, or engaging with the private sector at all. Um, but our hope is that if the business idea works, um, and people, people like T6, the platform enough to buy it, um, that we can then bring it to more austere environments, uh, and just deliver it in a sustainable way. So the whole idea is to, it's almost like a social enterprise, I, the way I see it. Like if you can, if you can provide enough benefit for the people that will pay for it, you can extend that benefit even sort of beyond those boundaries and, uh, and, and try to really impact, um, public health more universally. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's kind of the concept and why we, why we're pursuing it like this. That makes sense. I think it certainly needs business as a vehicle in order to scale the impact that T6 could have over the world because being able to limit it or uh, limiting it based off of uh, grant availability as well as the geographic restriction of the products of those grants would to some extent be limiting the the benefit that the solution could have over a broader global geographic area. To speak more to the business side that you've encountered so far because you've been balancing uh, a trauma surgery career overall and you've lived uh, to an extent through the entrepreneurial journey. Um, what has your experience uh, with failures in the startup world been like? Um, and how does that compare with your experience of failures in search? Jeff, you know, the, the, those, those, those wise sayings like Thomas Edison said something like, uh, uh, I haven't failed. I've only found uh, 10,000 ways that didn't work or, you know, something like that, that these feelings are a pathway to success. Or Michael Jordan says that he's missed, um, you know, thousands of shots, um, uh, you know, in, in its life. Or Wayne Gretzky saying that you miss every shot that you don't take. These resonate so much. You know, you start to identify so much with these pathways of failure. And eventually what I realized is that like in medicine, we don't, this journey in medicine or other, other areas of academic endeavor, sometimes people don't fail very much. Like they go from one success to another. They, they go from school to university to, to their jobs. And it's always like a, a path that's mostly characterized by success. But what I realized is that when you're doing something that hasn't been done before, um, when you're trying to do something for the first time, um, you have to anticipate failures and actually see them as guideposts. Um, when you um, fail, it means that uh, you've, you've progressed, your understanding has deepened. And you just have to have this tolerance for one failure after another, after another, after another. And um, to this day, like we're 10 years almost into this company and it's still not successful. Um, we failed so many times, but over that nine or 10 years, we've, d- we've acquired so much experience, so much depth, so much agility. We design better and we have much more nuanced understanding of our goals and the goals of healthcare systems. So that really does matter. It, it does add up. So I would just say that I've learned to get kind of get comfortable with failure, uh, to see it as evidence of progress and just to try to, try to pursue this and take a long, long view of it. 
certainly can be discouraging like at times, but every so often you get some success um, that just turns everything around, that gives you new momentum, that sparks another round of creativity. Uh, so it's definitely a, an interesting journey, I would say. Mm -hmm. You said something really interesting there, which was that the company still is not successful. So what would you qualify as success from T6's point of view? Well, we've only just started generating revenue within the last two years or so. Um, so our investor, uh, who I haven't mentioned, but who's been an absolute champion and visionary, he's never, you know, he's been tough on us uh, to do a good job and to work hard, but he's never lost the, the drive to make this successful. So he's been patient and uh, we've only started making revenue in the last couple of years. And within the last year, we've had a, a very uh, close partnership with the U.S. Department of Defense to redesign their their trauma uh, user interfaces uh, in their military trauma facilities. So I would say, uh, to me, it would, be, it would be successful if we could make up all the investment that was placed in us back. The revenue started to come but uh, probably hasn't quite broken even yet. To me, that would be one marker of success. Other people might say when the company is like profitable year after year or when companies sold. But to me, it's like if everybody who's in our company who's worked so hard uh, begins to have some job security and some confidence that what they're doing is sustainable, that sustainability to me would be, would be great evidence of success. You, you put a really interesting perspective into that last definition of success to ensure that those who work with, worked with you as a team on this company are, are taken care of in terms of job security, um, and, uh, some certainty as to where they're going to be in the future. How has your perspective and training as a trauma surgeon and in public health informed how you manage to what extent you do? Um, T6. I, I've been so lucky because I'm one of five founders. Um, we have founders from technology background and found, uh, founders from a business background. And uh, my wife is one of the founders. She's a physician and a health economist. So we have that health economics background. So it's a pretty diverse group of founders. And uh, what's so interesting is that they all uh, believe fundamentally that the work is important. Like they feel like some of them are like serial startup people who've been at working at other startups. When they came to T6, they really felt a sense of purpose. And to this day, I hear that what we're doing could save lives. Um, what we're doing could reduce inequity. Like, um, and so even our technology people now, like, um, our, our chief technology officer, for example, knows a lot about trauma, like surprisingly a lot. Um, and, um, yeah, the things he says sometimes, right? Sometimes you, you know, when he's talking in front of an audience, you, you can't tell if he's not a physician, but he's an engineer. And so people have really, uh, internalized the mission of the, of the, uh, of the company. And so in that way, I've been blessed to work with friends who have that same passion as I do. And the leadership, day to day leadership comes from them. Uh, I have to kind of inform a little bit the direction of the company and uh, the, the vision of the company. But 
they um they run with this day to day they work hard uh, and in some ways they've allowed me to continue my clinical uh career and they feel that there's value in in having somebody who's on the front lines working clinically and can provide in- insights into their development into the development of our system but we've talked about this before uh, i know that there is a dichotomy among investors that that want that want their uh, leaders to be clinically active and some that would absolutely not invest in a company where someone was part-time uh, clinical. So we'll see uh, what, what the tally comes out to coming up. Maybe I'll put up the uh, running count uh, <laughs> based off the podcast in the future. Um, before we close off, no, no worries. Before we close off, I, I give all of our guests an opportunity to share something that they're passionate about, whether or not it's T6 or whether or not it's something else. Uh, if you have any pluggles, pluggables to plug, the stage is yours. Well, Jeff, I, I, I've given you my life story. I would just maybe give a plug for your podcast and your career. It's been great to meet you. And um, what you're doing is phenomenal, like uh, uh, shedding light on these different kinds of journeys. And uh, I think that uh, it's very commendable. So I just... I just think it's a great idea. Uh, I'm grateful to to participate in it, and I just wish you all the best on this podcast. I think, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, where you take it next. Thank you so much, Rad. All right, till next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, the best way to support us is to go to your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like and to give us a rating and a recommendation or a comment so that others can best find us. If you can't do that, then we'd really appreciate it if you could share your favorite episode with those that you care about and who you think would find our work interesting. Till next time.